Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast. Cole Pedham here. As always, and of course, I am joined by Danny Raza. We're going to go over Spurs 1, Aston Villa 2. Um, and basically, that is the first time, I believe, that uh, Aston Villa have got a way win while conceding first. So uh, a very good feat. And that's been since 2013, I should really specify. Um, it's not an ever thing. So what an intro this is. But nonetheless, Danny, let's get this over to you. How's it going? Dude, I can't believe that stat, honestly. Um, it's crazy that Villa haven't won a match after going behind to a team away from home since 2013. I can't believe that. It's crazy. But at the same time, Villa gonna Villa, right? Like I thought I thought once we'd conceded, that was it. But in a funny way, the way that we've been going, like we've been we've been scoring goals really early and then throwing victories away. Like the fact that we were forced to go from goal behind, um, you know, come back from behind. Worked in our favor, but I think more than anything, and let's be real, like let's summarize this entire thing straight away, is that we saw just how important Jack Grealish has been uh, for Aston Villa today because the chance creation was just off the roof in comparison to, to previous weeks, but really happy to see it and hopefully it's a taste of what's to come next season. Oh, absolutely. And I should specify that's probably in the Premier League. We probably got to come behind win. Um, in the championship, I feel like that league is just filled with those. So before someone tries to uh, butt in there and say, hey, now, guys, you got that wrong. I corrected myself. So if you got this far in, at least give me some kind of slack there. But anyways, of course, we're looking at this game, of course. Uh, Steven Bergvine for Spurs opened it up, of course. Some very sloppy right, defending. Cole. Say it Pardon. right. It's Ber- Bergwijn. Bergwijn. No, no, <laughs> Some <laughs> German. <laughs> Bergwijn. Bergwijn. There you go. Steven Borchheim. Um He's getting there. He's getting I'm getting there. Of course, he opens up the scoring. Uh, do you give that error to Nakamba? Do you give it to Hawes? A few there, of course. Uh, probably the best own goal strike I've ever seen in my life through Sergio Reglon. <laughs> A little bit of karma, of course, there from the Ollie Watkins missed penalty shout, in my opinion. And of course, that man, Ollie Watkins, of course, gets the winner in uh, what can only be described as a typical Ollie Watkins performance, just hustling, never giving up on the ball. And it worked very well for him. And you know what? It probably should have been 7-1. But anyways, we we, yeah. we it, it's weird to go against a team like Spurs, Danny, and you sit there and think like, oh, well, you look at the scoreline, you think maybe we just survived. No, we like like I just said, we could have won 7-1. It, mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. It's one of those things where we were completely wasteful. I mean, Spurs are in a bit of a mess right now anyways, but uh, what did you make of all of it? Should have had a penalty. I mean, like my, my, my Spurs friend said the Spurs have been quite inconsistent, but to be honest, like, you know, under Mason, they've actually done better than I thought they would. Like, I thought there was going to be a serious collapse after Mourinho. There hasn't been, but they might well be throwing away Europe in, um, you know, in they might might end up having to play in the Europa conference league depending on what happens last game of the season you know them and Everton still in the kind of race for Europa League 
And that conference league spot almost feels or seems like a bit of a punishment for a lot of sides because essentially, you know, you, it's, it's not it's not recognised as the first or second best competition in Europe. It's the third best competition in Europe. You're then having to like travel midweek, you know, play extra games. And then if you win it, do you get the plaudits? I don't know. Like, and, and do you, are you then going to sacrifice Premier League spots because of it? So there's a little bit of hot potato going on right there. Whoever finishes sixth and whoever finishes seventh, there's going to be a bit of a, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a thing going on. But it was good for us to beat Spurs. I feel like we've had really close games against Spurs as of late. I can't remember exactly the last one, but there's been things which have happened in those games where you've kind of thought, right, we've come away quite unlucky. You know, in the in I think in January, I think it was, or was it? No, it wasn't January. It was like February or March last year. I think it was March because it was the last game I watched before COVID happened. We had the Engels mistake. And then the last game, Harry Kane got a penalty for some reason, which we didn't, you know, and we didn't get a penalty this time around. There was a, there was a little bit of that kind of sense of the Villa hard luck showing. So the fact that we dominated the game and didn't even allow for, you know, Villa tax, I like to call it. You know, it's 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 it's, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, I, there's no like, I mean, aside from the, probably the opening ten minutes, you would say. I mean, the tempo was pretty good. Of course, you expect Spurs to come out in the second half, especially, and that's that was every Villa fan's kind of concern. How are we going to come out? Because we've seen what's happened this season, mm-hmm. last season. It goes on and on, and you know what, a little shaky at the start, but it just seems like we wrote it out. And I think that's the biggest thing. I think a lot of people are looking at missed opportunities, but it's also how you can kind of close out a game and shut things down. And essentially we did it. We kept Harry Kane pretty well quiet for the majority. I think his best opportunity was, um, I think, on um, the right-hand side of the Villa box where a deflected shot was excellently saved by Emmy Martinez I mean it was a very good save it was a very awkward one and that was probably his best chance Bale came on didn't do too much um like I said the Bergvine one I mean that definitely should have been caught out but regardless that that just kind of spoke to the slow start but all in all Danny a very good performance and I, I mean mm. the one thing I do want to talk about and this really has nothing to do with what we were just even discussing about the game this this third competition I mean, a, U- a UEFA Conference League. Are they going to start, like, going down every year and adding new ones? So, like, eventually all the relegation sides will play each other. Like, the German relegation sides will play the England relegation mm. sides. It just, you know what I mean? It just feels like it's just, like, they're just ruining European competition by giving it to everybody. Globalization of football thing now. I don't know, man. Like, I, th- I think the logic is probably that there's, you know, there's, there's teams who are probably, you know, the best in their country and then aren't quite good enough for the Champions League or perhaps aren't quite good enough for the Europa League and maybe for them, you know, having that third that third competition keeps them in Europe. And I suppose for a lot of sides, they'll fancy it. But, you know, when it comes to like, say if Liverpool or Manchester United finish seventh one season, like I could I could genuinely see, and this is no disrespect to the competition, but it hasn't even started yet. We don't we don't know what it's going to feel like. We don't know. I could genuinely see one of them turning around one, one season and going, no nah. thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see, I can see it happening. But, you know, could you imagine you had like I don't know, Real Madrid versus Saint Mirren in the final? I think it could happen. It. I think they should do it with relegation <laughs> spots, so you could have like Fulham versus Schalke or something like that this year, this summer. They can just play it out <laughs> to see who the worst side is in Europe. 
completely different. But one thing I think the Premier League should have is the, the flipping relegation playoff. Have you ever watched them? They're Bundesliga mental. relegation versus yes. like promotion sides. Like it's mad. <laughs> If you lose, you're relegated. And for the other side, if you win, you're promoted. Like yeah, that kind of thing. Is and it's literally the worst of the worst. So if you if you're looking at like the championship playoffs as the best and the best of that league, it, it's a completely different mentality. It's literally two struggling teams that can barely either score or defend, and they make for some yeah. absolutely <laughs> insane games. But anyways, Danny, let's go on to um, let's go on to Jack Grealish next. Of course, he played 73 okay. minutes today. He started. I think that's the main thing everyone was concerned about. What did you make of his performance? Yeah, it was really good. A really good performance. I thought I thought we played through him. And one thing that, you know, we saw previous to January, you know, previous to, to the um, outbreak in the team was Grealish linking up really well with El Ghazi and Traore. You know, Algarzi on the left, Traore on the right-hand side, Grealish through the middle. We saw that working really well. And that was almost, you know, Grealish moving onto the inside. It was almost the initial spark for Traore. And also, you know, it was around about the time we saw Algarzi really start hitting form. When Grealish went, you lost that central player that was kind of driving the team forward. Finding, you know, almost that link between the left and the right-hand side. And also that link between the midfield and the, and the striker. You lost that. You know, but now you've almost got that magnet. You've got that. You've got that 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 man in the middle, that's just keeping that tempo going, and everybody's benefiting from it. So for me, Grealish, the way he was carrying the ball, the way he was able to hold the ball up, the fact that when we got into the final third, we didn't look so clueless. I mean, there's one thing you can say about you know that that final shot or you know getting into the box. You know, you can talk about that. That there's criticism there to be had, but more so. You know, in that transition into attack, and whilst you know, whilst we were in the final third, it did look like we were moving the ball better. And I think having someone like Grealish, having a leader like Grealish, there stops the team from being so lackadaisical on the ball, which has been an issue. Yeah, massively. I mean, having him in the middle was probably the biggest benefit that I saw. And I think I was saying to you before the game, it's or maybe during. I think it's just it needs to happen next season. Um, of course, we're going to see what happens in the summer and we'll have more podcasts throughout the summer kind of discussing, I'm sure, transfer news and who we want to see and all that kind of good stuff. But mm. he just needs to be in the middle. And I think the one thing that benefits with him being in the middle so much is just especially on counterattacks and things like that. He roams around anyways. He'll be he's meant to be on the left. He'll be on the right. He'll go where he wants to go. He's the best player arguably on the pitch most weeks anyways. So he'll he'll be wherever he needs to be and i i do notice the one thing that i've seen a little bit of criticism is say for breaking down the left and he's all the way on the right there's nobody there it's it's one of those instances where it's just nice to have two wingers there that they're going to be in their positions and you can have him just roaming around where he wants in the middle setting things up and you know what danny i know we spoke about this earlier um through whatsapp but i I mean i'm still not afraid to say it on the podcast if we had jack realish for the 12 odd games that we missed him we're probably looking at at least 60 points. And I don't even think that's being arrogant. It just, he makes the world the difference. And yeah. I, I mean, I guess it is unfortunate because that would mean a conference, probably a uh, uh, UEFA conference league spot. So uh, shame on that, I guess. I think those are actually going to be on Monday, by the way, or something I heard. So uh, that would be interesting. But nonetheless, it is what it is. We're officially stuck in 11th. We can't go up. We can't go down in terms of positioning. So... <sighs> I mean, it, it's a little frustrating and I can kind of understand I'm going on a tangent now. I know that, but I, I, I can understand why people at this point in the season, summer are still disappointed and they're a little frustrated because 
we started so well, but it's so hard unless you're Manchester City, basically, to keep that expectation. But even look at their season. They started poorly and then they turned it on when it mattered most. So it's just it's another step for this club to just keep kind of climbing. Of course, this year's 11th, maybe next year's 7th. Who knows? So I guess really with that being said, Danny, who should we talk about next? Nakamba? Should we start there? Let's go through the goals. You know, okay. I think the, I think it's a good place to start with Nakamba, that actually. Right. Let's talk about the goals. I mean, for what it's worth, Chris Coleman says something really interesting on commentary. By the way, brilliant commentator today. It was great. He actually analysed like, Nakamba, and I don't think I've ever seen any um, commentator ever analyse Nakamba. He, he mentioned that, you know, neither, you know when, when Courtney Hawes had the ball, you know, before that attack... Courtney was playing centre back, right sided centre back with a with a left foot, which is quite interesting. First of all, but he's almost launched that ball with his right foot. He's looked for the run for Bertrand Traore. He's looked for the run from Ollie Watkins. Neither of them have made that run. When you watch Tottenham today, when Harry Kane dropped deep, you you know the expectancy for them was for like Berghain to like make a run and for Son to make a run. And when so when when you know one of your players is about to kind of push the ball forward, go for a long ball, you can't stay stationary. You've got to move, because they've not made that run. Horse hasn't had that hasn't had that pass available to him. He's then given a bad pass. I think to be fair to Nakamba, I think he's almost wrong footed, and I think it's difficult for him to really control that ball. Berhine's controlled it really well. He's been strong there. Um, yeah, yeah, you expect maybe John McGinn to be a little bit stronger in the tackle. Do you maybe just give away the foul, give away the free kick? That's the question you ask. And yeah, I think at the end of the day, freak freak goal. I mean, it's quite poor to it's quite poor to give away when you think about it, but I kind of see why it happened. I don't know really who you blame um with that. That's general team play. That's you've all got to be a little bit more awake, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess maybe someone could have yelled man on or something. I don't know. I didn't hear anything, of course. And it's usually, I guess we're so used to being so quiet that you can hear these things. But I guess with at least some fans in there, you miss out on stuff. But yeah, I I think you're right, Danny. I think it's just one of those things where you think your defense can deal with it. And unfortunately, it just wasn't dealt with. And maybe that is a lack of communication. But nonetheless, I think the biggest thing, and we'll, we'll get on to like I said earlier, probably the greatest own goal, the funniest own goal I might have ever seen of all time. Um, at least one of them. I'm sure there's funnier, but I mean, Sergio Reglon, bow your head, mister. What a hit. Um, I'm going to, I know it's not a marvelous Nakamba screamer. I know I've kind of made a little bit of a meme of that to myself just for a little bit of entertainment this year. Um, but the fact that, you know what, Nakamba drove that on, he was looking for, I don't know if it probably would have been the best option. And that's where I kind of look at Nakamba and think sometimes his ball moving is just kind of a little bit of a, a panic station, if you will, but he makes the cross. It wasn't going to go anywhere. And I have no clue where Regulon was even attempting to put that thing. It's the biggest scoop kind of wrong turn move you could ever make you could hear the commentator on my end go kind of oh as it's going backwards you're thinking there's no way this is going to go past Larice, and it just keeps going and going and it's absolutely gone into the back of the net danny <laughs> what did you make of that because to me and I, I mean we can kind of blend this in with the ollie Watkins kind of penalty shout of course and i guess you know what i'll break that down here quickly of course ollie Watkins is running for the ball it's going to go out of play um Larice basically quote unquote dives to get it even though he's not really going for it he gets in the way um kind of 
gently clatters into Ollie Watkins. It wasn't like an absolute hammering kind of situation in terms of contact, but nonetheless, you've seen those be given and you've seen those being given against us, especially this season in certain situations in the box. But I guess, Danny, to go from the Watkins kind of issue penalty shout to this hilarious own goal, was it karma for you? Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Cole, I've sent you a link. You need to watch just in reference. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, but uh, <laughs> but in terms of in terms of the penalty shout, I think it should have been a penalty purely because um, if we're going to work on the logic that uh, the ball's already gone out of Watkins' control, but Loris has caught him, then you know why did Kane get the get the penalty against? Was it Matty Cash? I think it was Matty Cash. Um, earlier in the season when the ball was already going out of play. You know, um, today as well, Michel Antonio won a penalty for West Ham. Um, and and I think that was, again, a, you know, a keeper kind of clattering the player once the ball's already gone. You know, why is it one rule for one and one rule for another? You know, it's not, this isn't, I'm not calling it a conspiracy against Villa, but, you know, let's get some clarity, guys, please. You know, let's, let's not be making, you know, let's not have a team losing out to a particular decision one week and then you know not get a similar decision the next week let's not have that happen let's not have to change the rule midway through the season after a team's already been screwed because of it right that, that's how i feel about the penalty as for the own goal it was great it was the best goal since virginie for sunderland um back yes. in the day cole did you like did you recognize that did you recognize that on goal well, no, but no, when you say it now, I do recognize it. So Yeah, that, that Virginia on goal was mad, right? The finish. But let's talk about Regulons. He did that on the outside of the foot. Roberto Carlos-esque, right? Like that's, he's a left back. He's a left back. It was a bit like that. But no, to be fair to him, you've got to feel, you've got to feel for him. It's really a nothing cross from Nakamba. I mean, he's put it into the box, hoping there's somebody there. I don't, you know, it's pretty. Wasn't really any aim there. Um, but did you say Villa deserved a goal up until that point? Like I, they probably did. Like, I would there, say so. there was a lot of knocking. There was a lot of knocking on the door before that. Uh, but Regulon's got to do better with that. Really, got to be doing better with that because it gives Loris no chance. Really, um, even though I think Jamie Redknapp was saying you could have done a lot better. You know, you're not expecting it as the goalkeeper. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for Regulon, it's one of those kind of just slight of, I guess, foot moments where you're just caught in an awkward position. You probably should just put your foot through the ball and maybe it's a lack of focus, whatever it is, but it is the best piece of karma. I mean, I was howling at that. I couldn't believe that went in. That is the best Villa goal of all season. Um, it's not actually, but it's just, it was great to see that something that like that finally go our way. And I don't yeah. want to be one of those fans to kind of sit here and say nothing's gone our way this season because there has been. But the I think the one thing that annoys me about it all, and you're talking about refereeing consistency and kind of calls, and I don't really want to go into VAR. But anyways, the one thing that I got um, a kick out of, and I think you pointed it out to me on WhatsApp as well, was Harry Kane pulling Mings's arm around his like shoulder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking, and, and then you hear the commentators. <laughs> oh well, that that was cheeky. It's like it's okay for Harry Kane to do it, but if anybody else did it, if Ollie Watkins did it, he'd be known to be, oh, he's brutalizing this player. He's trying to injure him. It's, I'm not saying it's Ollie Watkins in particular, but it just, it's weird. It just seems like there's an agenda for certain players that it's okay to do certain things. And I don't really get it. 
are you trying to get Harry Kane more goal scoring opportunities maybe so that he gets closer to Alan Shearer's record? It's like, it's one of those weird things where it just, it doesn't add up. And it's never a conspiracy. It's always subliminal. Yeah. You know, it's always in the referee's mind. It might be okay. Well, this player is mouthing off a lot. Yeah. If he's, if he's gone down, he's probably taken the nick, you know, or they might think, oh, well, this guy's a well-respected captain. Um, I'll trust him. But like, I don't know. I don't know if those things happen. I don't know if that kind of professionalism kind of gets gets you know properly like checked into somebody, or whether that bias still remains. I don't know. Actually, it's quite an interesting thing whether to think about like the psychology of referees. Yeah, I mean they're humans, so they're prone to errors, anyways. I think that's one thing. It's kind of I, I don't want to get into this whole thing because we could literally do a whole podcast just about this. But like, I just find it interesting how you have the whole human aspect of it for VAR. It almost seems like that wasn't good enough. VAR is supposed to come in and get rid of or minimize that kind of small percentage of errors even more. But now it seems to have made more because it takes away the human element. So, I mean, I think that just speaks to the whole human kind of, we're just not never happy with whatever we get anyways. <laughs> but uh, anyways, it is what it is. Danny, before we get to the uh, the game-winning goal through Ollie Watkins, can I say one thing and let me know if you agree? I just kind of wrote this down as a note because I was scrolling through uh, the uh, BBC's kind of match report on this and I had a picture of Ryan Mason. And, of course, um, it just is like press conference kind of picture. When you look at him, of course, he's still a young man. Does he not kind of yeah. look like one of those like substitute teachers that would wear like one of those floral shirts or something? <laughs> yeah, like, he does. He does. Yeah, yeah. Kind of with he's the a substitute hair. teacher right now. Yeah, well, exactly. Or but our that... boys, <laughs> you know, your your managers had to, you know, your your current teachers had to retire early. Uh, so I'll be here with you until the end of until the end of term. Yeah, like um, I feel like he's teaching like geography for a week and then going on to maths the next week or something like that. I just get that strong vibe from him. I think English lit. Yeah, I could see that pair of glasses. I reckon English lit. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe some poetry or something. Maybe yeah, he likes yeah, that maybe. somber move. <laughs> it's just a weird one, isn't it? It's really weird seeing Ryan Mason there as as, as the Tottenham manager. Um, he's only what like thir- is he even thirty yet? He's twenty nine. I, I think I think it's a weird one as well because uh, Tottenham's intention isn't going to be to keep him on. No, like it, well, maybe as a coach, I mean, but you know they, they they're going to be looking for somebody else. They're going to be looking for a manager. So it's it's a, he's in a weird position, isn't he? Almost because. Even if he won all his games, would they keep him? Would no, no. Well, I think at this point they can only maybe get the uh, UEFA Conference League spot at this mm. point. So, I mean, and I, I think it's kind of weird. I don't. I think this is the old kind of timey tradition of professional sports, in the sense that, like, I feel like your manager almost has to be like sixty plus or fifty plus. Gareth Bale is older than him. <laughs> it's, isn't it kind of weird yeah, yeah. to know that you're managing players that are older than you? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, we're, we're seeing yeah. managers get younger, obviously, as more tactics and stuff kind of come into it. But it's just kind of it's interesting to see, like, does Gareth Bale walk into that dressing room and is like, like you were still in the youth team when I was kicking around here? Like, you know what I mean? It's one of those situations. Nagelsmann, like Nagelsmann as well, like going to Bayern Munich. That's a huge job to be to be doing in your thirties. Like, yeah, well, he has the resume for it already, though. To be fair. You've probably got, yeah, but you've probably got like Steve Bruce applying for the Bayern job. Yeah. <laughs> and Nagelsmann, who's been managing for about five or six years, gets in ahead of him. What does a, what does right? a, what does a Steve Bruce PowerPoint for a job look like, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> 
the first the first slide is uh, training and it's just a ball in the middle we do lots of practice <laughs> yeah yeah trust me man just like what how would he apply for buying um, get the boys motivated i get the boys motivated uh my son's gonna come in if anyone abuses me he'll tweet at them <laughs> um what else can we go um like i said before lots of practice lots of 11 v 11 um he loves golf i'm sure I'm, some of those I'm guys good at writing golf. crime novels I can yeah. write you a crime novel. I forgot I heard about that. German. That's insane, by the way. Um, if he wants to make more money, he's exp- he's a kind of exposing himself to a, a different brand. And obviously... But the thing is, first of all, yeah, Steve Bruce is doing a tremendous job at Newcastle. Well, well I won't say tremendous. <laughs> he's, doing a, he's doing an okay job at Newcastle, considering yeah. the lack of investment in that club. Yeah, I still don't know how um, you go from Sheffield Wednesday to... Uh, Newcastle, but anyways, <laughs> Bro, he's he's so funny, right? He's so, he's 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 that guy that like promises promises a girl that like he's a he, he likes her, yeah, and then the sniff of another, you know, of another opportunity, he's gone. Like, do you know what I mean? But he's, he's um, yeah, no, he's doing he's doing an okay job there. I know we're going on a bit of a tangent here, but I'd love to see how we do with Bayern Munich. And the thing is, my um, I have a theory, and it's the same theory I have with Man City. Put anybody in that job, they'll win a title. I don't oh, care. Yeah. Put anyone in the the players will manage themselves. Yeah. You think? <laughs> do you think anybody's telling Robert Lewandowski how to score a goal? Uh, no. <laughs> exactly. The, the guy exactly. can do it in his sleep. Yeah, it's one of those things. But uh, who needs a football manager? <laughs> exactly. Is there any other past Villa managers that we should bring up? Do we want to talk about? Um, well. Yeah, like okay, I had this discussion as well today. Whilst okay. we're going off on one, bro, you can tell it's midnight. Yeah, but <laughs> Christian Penteke is in mad form, right? Yeah, crazy form. He's killing it. Like he's rolled the years back to 2014. If you're Crystal Palace, Roy Hodgson's leaving at the end of yeah. the season. If you're Crystal Palace, surely now is the time to pull the trigger on Paul Lambert. No. Surely, <laughs> where is Paul Lambert now? I know he got fired from Ipswich, but dude, Benteke's banging them in. If you want that to continue, if you want Benteke to, to maintain his peak form, you call back the man that brought him to England, you hire Paul Lambert until about April, and then you bring in Tim Sherwood, and then he gets you to a cup final, which you absolutely get smashed in. I think, yes. How about yeah, we'll do that? Yeah, it. we'll do we'll do that. Okay. Okay. Should we should we get on to the Ollie Watkins goal? <laughs> Ollie Watkins' goal was good. I think I think um, the thing that I liked about that, and I think I'll make no secret of it, I, I like my teams to press. I like teams that are energetic and don't give te- don't give time to the opposition. Look, we we pass the ball around the back and we get panicked when a team doesn't let us do that. Spurs, I don't know what they were doing with it. They were messing around with it. They were trying to, you know, pass their way out of it. Bertrand, Watkins, and who was the other one? One other player basically completely stopped them from doing what they wanted to do with it. And maybe it was McGinn, to be honest. I can't remember. It honestly, it was one of those like kind of quick passes to play that you know what? Spurs got pressed out of so quickly that uh yeah, no, I mean that's all all the all Ollie Watkins while Charlie's saying that 10 times fast. Um, but uh, no, like excellent work. He just goes for every single ball, even if there's really no hope in it. And that's what you have to do. You're taught that at a young age and very mm. rarely do professionals kind of continue that, but it seems to work for him. So long may that continue. That's 14 Premier League goals this season. 
That's what two million pounds per goal this year. Not too yeah. bad. It's not bad. No, I mean I, it's not. It's not prolific. But it's it's pretty. It's pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And there was oh, there was a stat here I saw not too long ago. Where was it here? Uh, so it says Villa striker Ollie Watkins has fourteen Premier League goals this season, the most by a player in their debut season in the competition since Alexander Lacazette, Lacazette, I should say, in 17-18, also 14, and the most by an Englishman in the first season since Charlie Austin's 18 for QPR in 14-15. So, oh, is that true? Is yes. That true? There's also a stat about own goals and Villa having what them, but yeah, Villa, Everton, and Arsenal are the only teams to have more goals, own goals, I should say, than Spurs. But anyways, that doesn't matter because um, <laughs> that didn't happen to us. But anyways, <laughs> um, where was another one here? Uh, Tottenham suffered their first home league defeat under Ryan Mason. So, of course, their first and last. So I think that's it, it's an interesting aspect, this whole kind of game. When you look at it, Danny, I mean, I'll be honest. And just to kind of summarize this game, really. Uh, before we kind of wrap things up here shortly because we don't want to keep this too, too long. I, I know Danny would like to get to bed anyways, but uh, <laughs> you, you look at this game and especially how we started, as soon as that first goal went in, I thought, yeah, this is going to be like a 3-1 or something like that. It just it had it written all over it. And I, I think to look at this season and to be the second last game, and most people probably wrote these last two games off, especially with two teams that are playing for top six positioning you're probably writing those off and to get at least one and you know what you're going in the final day now maybe you can cause a little bit more of an upset you know what yeah, let's yeah. go for 55 points why not yeah that would be a great return wouldn't it? it'd be a brilliant return considering that the aim was like four t i think so you know you're then talking about five extra wins on top of what you expected like you know it's good it's good i think that look, we you look back on the season and call it a missed opportunity in that you know Grealish is injured but it is what it is you deal with it you know you, you have to deal with it you have to take it for what it is um look you know we're not the only team that suffers yeah uh Crystal Palace are going to be without Eze perhaps until until next year now it, it happens right and Liverpool Van Dyke. I mean you could make the argument that Van Dyke's injury cost them the title so it is what it is dude like yeah. it is what it is. Um, I think that it's good to see Grealish is at least back, and it's good to see that we're a more functional team because of it. Me personally, I've always felt that we're a functional team. There's there's things that we do well, but it almost feels like the attitude is wrong in some games. Massively, yeah. Or I, I've always said this: it's not laziness. It's just it's 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 how you approach games. Today we were constantly on Tottenham Hotspur, perhaps going behind you know, kind of meant that we were constantly on that chase and perhaps it meant that we weren't allowed really to sit back. And the fact that we did keep going forward meant that there was less pressure on us. Um, and yeah, I think the, I think they just looked like they enjoyed themselves. I thought Hawes really stepped up. Konza really oh, did really right, well at right, right back. Right wing back, basically. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Dude, yeah, I just there's so much potential in this team. I just wish that they believed in themselves a little bit more. I think that's I think that's all it is. Yeah, and I mean that that comes with losing your best player, I think too. And I think if anything, it, it's a weird blessing in disguise. But I mean, it's an obvious kind of thing too. If you lose Jack Grealish, a, a lot of things probably won't go your way. But I think that's finally made Dean Smith and above him kind of realize, okay, 
this is a summer that I mean, it's kind of obvious. It's probably make or bait, uh, break with Jack Grealish, especially depending how we do next season. I would imagine we have one more year with them, mm. but it just means we have to get that next big player in and it has to be right i think a lot of people thought you know what ross barkley could be that but i think it was a flyer to be honest no one really knew how it was going to end up at least i guess we got a little bit of joy out of what has kind of turned into a unfortunately miserable loan spell and i hope we stop loaning from chelsea now because it just doesn't seem to to work out (laughs) look at barkley as a six-month loan spell look at him look at him as a three as a six (laughs) yeah yeah exactly look at him as that okay I was one of those people, I said at the start of the season, and, and I know this because I was smug about it at first. I said that Ross Barkley was on the top of my transfer list. The village should be going for Ross Barkley. He'd be the guy. For a bit, it looked like he would be. But it's clear that he isn't, you know? And and perhaps, and perhaps you know, it's, it, it, it reminds Villa that perhaps, you know, when we, go, when we go into the summer, we can't we can't look at somebody who's, you know, kind of, not past it, I think that's the wrong word. We can't, we can't look at a player in the ilk of Barkley or Drinkwater who perhaps has been out of form for a couple of seasons. Maybe we do got we do have to go for that, you know, informed championship guy. And let's see if it works again. Do you know what I mean? Perhaps we've got to go abroad and maybe just bust out 30 million on a on a on a central attacking midfielder that we think is going to work. It might be a case yeah. for that. Maybe yeah. it's maybe maybe we say to Tottenham, we'll give you 35 million for Delhi Ali. Maybe he's one of those players that works out. I don't know. But but th- th- there needs to be something big this summer. I think I think that's clear. And in a way, losing Grealish for that many games exposes the weaknesses in the side and you know gives Dean Smith a clearer idea of who needs to be replaced. Yeah, I think we're break- we're gonna break the transfer record. I I I mean it's not crazily high in terms of Premier League standard now, anyways, but I think Ollie Watkins' fee is gonna be broken. But there's actually one stat here that I did want to bring up, Danny. And it's uh, Villa won their obviously ninth Premier League away match this season. And that's the most since which season, would you say? I'll give you a little quiz. Ninth away goal. Uh, sorry, ninth, ninth away ninth away win. Yeah. Um, I want to say 07. 09, 010. So okay. it, it, it's been a long time. It was an O'Neill season, wasn't it? Exactly. And I yeah. think that's what, when you look at a lot of comparisons, it's going back to your points, totals and everything. It's pointing back to the, that those kind of days. And those were good days. So hopefully we're on that track again. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll take it as it is. Well, I'll still be here regardless. It, it's one of those things that no matter how bad or good your team does, you're still here at the end of the day, but it's, it's uh, it's just it's so good to see Villa be decent, and I think if we win against Chelsea, that means that we'll have our first winning record since around that time too. So, I think just mentality-wise, that's another massive thing. But uh, Danny, quickly here before we wrap up, who was your man of the match? Wait, we didn't we didn't mention the two youngsters. Oh yes, well we can do that after. Yeah. Um, okay, my man of the match. This is a hard one, actually. I thought that there was a lot of good. There were a lot of good performances. See if Traore buried the chances that he'd actually gotten. I would have. I would have maybe gone for him, um, but he didn't. This is a really, really tough one. I'm gonna go for Grealish because um, I think you. I really do think he was the difference today. I really do think he was the difference. As much as I don't think he was directly involved in any of the goals, I don't think Villa played that well without him. No. The number of chances he created, you know, just just added to the, yeah. I think he gave us a lot of control over the game. We wouldn't have dominated it without him. We had the ball a lot. Um, 
thanks to him, El Ghazi and Traore were able to find themselves in better positions. Same with Ollie Watkins. Uh, you could also honestly make the uh, make the argument for Matty Target because he was insane again. He was uh, just again like just every single game the guy is on one. Um, and I also want to give an honourable mention to Courtney Hawes, who I think if it wasn't for that lofted boot forward would be in with a shout. Like the guy, the way he's just coming straight in the team, having like not played for like 10 or 11 games or whatever it is. And it happens with him. He, this always happens with him. You know, he take, he's out of the team for a while, comes straight in, feels like you just slotted Konza or Mings back in there. Yeah. So I want to give him an honorable shot as well. But I think my man of the match is Grealish. What about you? Um, well, first thing I will say is obviously, um, I forgot to mention too, of course, Matty Cash, we all know his season's done. So hopefully he comes back fit and firing. I forgot that I saw that he tweeted that after the match. So I just wanted to mention that. To be honest, you could probably give it to Konza too. I mean, I can't think of anyone getting past him on the right-hand side that whole game. He was getting forward a lot. He was actually playing some pretty decent one-twos and getting the ball forward very well as well. So um, as well as well, Dude, good English call. Yeah, like where was where was Son all game? Like where was he in the back pocket? And you could yeah. probably argue Kane was there in certain instances as well when he was on that side too. So, I mean, you could give it to him. Matty Target's a great shout. Um, I kind of want to give it to John McGinn as well. Um, I thought he played really well aside from kind of the whole blip at the start. But you know what? I will give it to Matty Target. I mean, his transformation, and I know we say this every week, it is mental. He has went from probably one of the worst left backs in the Premier League to easily top four, top three, in my opinion, like miles ahead of some in that position. It, and it's crazy. It's just the simple things. And I always say that. So, um, mm. yeah, I, I'll give it to him. You could give it to so many people today. There was just such good tempo. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it what is what it is. For what it's worth, um, who scored, if you look at who scored ratings, if you if you're into them, gave it to Bertrand Traore, so he like completed like seven dribbles today. But we all know that that and he he also got five shots on goal. But we all know the issue with him today was literally that his end product was just missing. He don't just know what like he wants to pass it into the net. <laughs> but he was he was he was mad when it came when it came to beating players today. It was crazy, like it was magical at times. Yeah. Um. But also fair fair point on McGinn. Did you did you see the turn? Yes, and then Hoiberg's yeah. holding his hands up like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. Shoot, Guinea, shoot. <laughs> but that was the, we played like Villa of we played like Villa of the um, earlier in the season where we were like just constantly on it where where we played like a top. They're six having side. fun. That's it. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Massively. Um, you know what, Danny? Before we go, and of course you did mention this, and I kind of feel silly forgetting it. Of course, we did have two debuts today, so we'll we'll end on this kind of discussing this. Of course, um, we meant to make this like a twenty minute pod. It never is, of course, with us. But anyways, it, it's always a good time. Of course, uh, that being Jaden Philogene Bidets. I always butcher his last name, but anyways, and Carney. Uh, Chuck Wameka, which somehow I pronounce that easier, but nonetheless, I got that, so I will take it. But anyways, two debuts. I think they were playing regardless of the result anyways, based on yeah, yeah, yeah. what came out after, but I mean, we almost had a goal out of one, so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what'd you make of those? Bar, didn't he? Yeah, what'd Chuck you make Wameka, of those? He, he looked really good. Uh, I think as well, this is another, I think another thing the commentator Coleman said um, was that he looks like he, he looked like he'd been on the pitch all game. Like he he was he was good 
he almost came on as like a number 10, didn't he? Almost just behind um, Ollie Watkins. Uh, Phil Jimbadis as well. I think he, he got on the ball a couple of times. Again, they just looked calm. You know, there was there was there was a moment I think where Philogene kind of I think got it on the got it on the right hand side. You know, Villa were doing a little bit of time wasting, um, but instead of just like losing his cool, just it's just little things. He yeah. didn't lose his cool. He dribbled it back. He found um, Chuck Wameka. They linked up, and I know that's just a little thing, but you know, you're you're, you're expecting two young players who've who've never played in the Premier League before to come on and help shut a game off, and for them to do that, not brick it. Like it's a good sign. It shows like the sort of professionalism that's probably been drilled into them um, at their level. Uh, but yeah, no, I think a lot of fans have been calling for them to, to get on the pitch. So perhaps, perhaps uh, it would be a different story if we had gone on to concede. But yeah, uh, in a way, we looked more solid once they were on. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest sign. I mean, it's something so small, but the fact that. Um they held up the ball so well when in instances in the Spurs half where you're young, you want to make your impression, you're nervous. You don't really know maybe what's going through your mind at that standpoint. They, they could have easily just turned around and ran at the defender and seen what happened, but no, they made it easy and simple. They knew the win is more important than a single performance. And I think that's the best thing. Cause you will sometimes see youngsters just kind of come on and think, you know what, the best thing I can do, especially as an attacker is make an effort, score a goal, mm. Sometimes just doing a pass back to waste time to get that win is more important than anything. So, and fans will appreciate that a lot more than take on that maybe re- results on nothing. And to be fair to them, both of them had pretty decent opportunities. And I mean, Carney's was the best, of course, yeah. hitting the post. To be honest, it looked like a completely harmless shot. But the fact that it looked like a harmless shot and it turned into something completely dangerous was. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what I would have done if he scored that goal. To be honest, I think his hype train <laughs> would have been through the roof. So. Transfer market value, just like well, you know those graphs. <laughs> you, know those, you know those graphs. If someone is an intern sitting down, going, "What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> I'm gonna put him up to two million. <laughs> two million. Tried ten million at least. There you go. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's two great performances. Hopefully, we'll see them again um, at home. I should say at Villa Park, where there will be uh, a group of fans. I think of what 10, is it ten thousand. Um, yeah, Roughly. I think 10,000. Yeah, it's like one third yeah, of. Either... Yeah. I think I think the rule is, honestly, don't take this as gospel. I think the rule is that you can have 25% in your stadium or 10,000 max. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's, I don't know. It's just going to be nice to, of course, I can't go to Villa Park. Of course, I, unless I want to swim, I better start swimming now. I still probably won't make it in time. <laughs> but of course, it's just, it's going to be good to not hear fake noise. I think that's the one thing I'm oh. looking forward to. Dude, um, one of my favorite things about the game today was Spurs getting booed off at halftime. Yes. And then getting booed off at full time. These fans <laughs> have one <laughs> game all season to go watch Tottenham. <laughs> and Tottenham get booed off. <laughs> that's the entire that's the entire fan experience. My my favorite thing was, um, I can't remember, I think it was like near the end of the game, some fans were leaving early. And I still love that. You haven't been there in a year and people are still leaving early. I do love <laughs> yeah, to see yeah. that. But anyways, because of course they had them kind of in the upper ends for this, uh, for the, um, what are they calling? There's just Spurs Stadium or whatever it's called. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, the camera angle only yeah. showed that. Yeah. So it was on the upper bowl, of course, which makes sense. Of course, there still needs to be distancing. And I can agree with that. 
but the one thing that was great was they panned to this one area that the start they panned to originally was full of fans and at the end there's just this one guy just chanting like this with his arms out probably the 89th minute or something like that and i'm thinking there was at least 30 people around you and there's nobody anymore (laughs) so you could tell it is to be a spurs fan or a football fan in general dude at the end of the day you can implement social distancing but and you can encourage it but if a team scores a 90th minute winner you cannot tell me it can be enforced no so but that's my two cents. <laughs> Fair enough. And so, it's, pr- it's probably a good way to leave it off, too. I mean, I don't even know how long we've been going for. Probably at least half an hour or so. But anyways, <laughs> Danny, let's wrap it up there. Unless you have any final words. Nah, no. 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 Okay. Well, good. we'll wrap I'm it up here. there anyways. Of course, if you want to find Danny on Twitter, it's at Journal. You can find me on Twitter at TalkAstonVilla. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Email the podcast, HoltCast at gmail.com. We'll be back, uh, I'd imagine, at some point on Sunday. You'll probably hear it on Monday to go over the Chelsea game. And after that, hopefully we'll do a little bit of a kind of a season in review, uh, bring on a full panel of people, more than three, I'd imagine, and just kind of go over things. But anyways, we'll leave it there. A great win after all. And don't forget up the villa. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.